This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and you've tuned in to the Orange Podcast. Orange City Council is exploring whether a network of mountain bike tracks can be built on Mount Canoblis. The proposal is sparking lots of community debate, both for and against. Some are concerned that building bike trails might damage the mountain. But evidence has come to light this week to suggest that the mountain is already damaged by hectares of weeds. And what if the building of a set of trails offered the best chance of fixing the mountain environment? Jason Lamb is the project manager with track designers Dirt Art. The design process starts on paper, looking at typography maps and satellite imagery. It was when Jason and other members of the consultant team tried to walk those trails in person that the sheer scale of the weeds problem came to light. We desktop um, design a lot of the trail in the first instance. That's a really important step for us, obviously, with this project in particular. Um, in desktop space, you can see all the different constraints and you can avoid them. Um, you can also see all the contour lines, so you get a good understanding of designing a trail from the outset having um, a sustainable gradient. Um, so the next part of that in terms of ground truthing and getting in the field um, is a really important step and vital, I guess, before undertaking any construction work. Um, for us, it's important because, one, we get to see the actual terrain that we're working on, not just looking at a satellite image or contour data. Um, it's important for us to actually see, feel and walk um, those proposed trail corridors to give us an understanding of one, is it possible to uh, build a construction, uh, to build a trail through that area? Um, and two, um, are there any kind of major features or attractions that we can weave the trail towards to make that trail more scenic uh, and more enjoyable. So the ground truthing part for us is really just to make sure that what we're proposing is viable, um, one, that it can get built, but two, the just to get the best outcome, I guess, for a trail. And as you've done that, you've made some changes, I guess. Yeah, and I guess that's, that's a really important part, um, especially in this process where we're working with multiple consultants. Um, uh, they can identify um, constraints or sensitive areas um, and let us know and we can um, realign the trails to avoid those sensitive areas. So we can do that in real time and on the fly so it's a more efficient process as opposed to us going out and designing a trail um, and then the team's coming out and saying, hey, you need to change your trail and go back out there and change it. If we have all the teams walking together and working collaboratively, then we can make those um decisions and changes on the fly so as you've done that in recent weeks you probably expected to find the odd bit of weed out there how bad are the blackberries that you've found in my experience working for dirt art for the last five years and doing a lot of projects throughout the country this is by far the worst um, blackberry uh, infestation that i've ever seen i'm sure i've come across um, pockets of blackberry um, on various design projects um, and construction projects as well but nothing to the extent of what we've seen in the SCA here so for example if typically you might be walking along a trail elsewhere and you might find a small pocket of blackberry which you can either go through or um, deviate the trail around it but in this instance um, we found whole trails just literally going through an area that's densely vegetated with uh, blackberries and how tall uh, it's, it ranges from kind of knee high to probably double overhead high. So, what does double overhead mean? 
double overhead. It's almost surfing term, I'd say. It's probably, um, you'd probably describe it as kind of 12 foot high. Um, so in sections, quite literally impassable. Um, but we have um, developed a few, I guess, um, interesting ways of getting through it all. You're trying to walk, actually put feet on the ground where a bike trail might go. You can't go through there, can you? If there's blackberries that thick, do you sort of go around it or throw a tape across the top of it? or How would you do it? Uh, typically, you would um, just drop a GPS coordinate or a pin just to mark um, where the thick area is and then um, re-establish the trail in a digital sense on the other side and also physically flag it on the other side. But in this circumstance and what we came across, you'd go through whole valleys just filled with blackberries. So um, blackberry doesn't necessarily stop a trail from going through there. We know that if there was no blackberry through there, the terrain and the gradient is, um, is fine and would make good trail. So in that instance, we just had to blaze through it um, and literally walk those alignments. So if it was head high, then we had no choice but to walk through it. There's an idea that the mountain is a pristine environment, that it's a, a very beautiful place. If we build mountain bike trails up there, will a weed management strategy be part of the ongoing sustainability of that track? Yeah, no doubt. I think um, for this project to be successful and even to get off the ground, weed management will have to be addressed up front and then also long-term in terms of a, a trail maintenance point of view. I think what it's highlighted with this project is um, there can be a lot of positives that will come out of this project in terms of cleaning up a lot of this um, blackberry within the SCA. And to be fair, I mean, lots of these areas aren't directly next to an accessible fire trail or a road. So for the most part, you wouldn't typically have people from the public um, or visitors entering into these areas just because they have no real reason to go there. So I think it's really highlighted the extent of how much blackberries in the SCA. But on the flip side, I think the project has um, fantastic opportunity really to address it and hopefully eradicate um, a lot of this weed from the SCA. If blackberries get under control, that's going to let native vegetation come back? Yeah, you would hope so. Um, yeah, you definitely hope so. Because right now it's really just strangling the landscape and everything um, stops everything from coming up. As well as blackberries, what else has been found out there that perhaps shouldn't be out in, the, in an SCA? Uh, we came across a lot of um, wild pigs. Um, we didn't cite any ourselves in terms of the Dirt Art team, but I know Emily's team came across them physically. We've come across a lot of their, um, their pits and you can see their paw prints everywhere. Um, Ivy? Yeah, ivy. Yep, I think one of our guys got some ivy onto their, their arm yesterday. Yep. Track designer from Dirt Art, Jason Lamb. As well as a track designer, another of the experts that's been walking the path of possible mountain bike track routes has been Lee Bates from Apex Archaeology. That's a firm that keeps a close eye out for indigenous cultural sites on the mountain and makes sure any tracks stay well clear. Part of that process has been involvement from the Orange Aboriginal Lands Council and staff member Dougie Sutherland. We caught up with Dougie to find out what his work involves. I'm the sites officer, so I do go out and do work for archaeologists recording sites within the Orange Aboriginal uh, community. So I've been up Mount Knobles for the last couple of days doing the survey work with Lee. Um, so it's been pretty good. 
and rough. Lee's job is, is part of uh, working out if we can build some mountain bike trails up there. And his job is to look out for special Indigenous sites that, that we need to protect when we're working out where to put a trail. What, what, how, do you, how are you involved in that process? Uh, yes, yeah, so if they find anything think significant on the mountain, that's where I come in to play, to be with them, with the archaeologists, to just record and survey the area, just to make sure that it is an arc, um, Aboriginal site that needs protecting or uh, removing of the artefacts from the area, a uh, bike track. Could you talk about the sort of Indigenous cultural sites that are there, the, the places that are important and why? Uh, there's some that are restricted, so I'm not really allowed to talk about them. Uh, they have found some areas while doing the bike trail that I've found out about a couple of days ago, so I'd like to see and check, go and see and check those out, see what artefacts were found and see if we're going to remove them for safekeeping. That's interesting. So what you're saying there is that um, as part of the local Aboriginal community, you've known about sites forever, but this process of finding out about mountain trails has found some new sites. Yeah, well, I've first time I've done the trails and um, very interesting, but Lee's done them before and he's come across a site, so I'd like to get back out and go and check that area out myself, if we get time to. Again, the sort of thing that, that Lee's talked about is finding a scar tree, that's important? Yep, uh, it is finding scar tree up there. I'd like to go and check that out. There are more scar trees up in the mountain, but... I haven't come across them. I've heard about that they're up there, but I haven't come across any yet. Part of what Lee's done is to they're working out where to build mountain bike trails, and so they're putting lines on maps and putting uh, locations on maps. Is it going to be useful for you and the local community to have uh, spots on maps that weren't there before? Yes, it will be interesting. Um, with the mapping Lee's doing, um, if we do come across any sites, we can go back to the design team and uh, remove the tracks and relocate them away from the site. So within a 50 metre area of the site, so it doesn't get disturbed by the tracks. It's going to be important to have a, a buffer around some of these sites so it, they won't go within anywhere near some of the Indigenous sites. No, it will be good. So we'll have that buffer zone around them. Um, so they'll be uh, steered away from them and kept clear of any of the sites that are found up there. While you say there's important Indigenous cultural reasons why you can't talk about the things, can you talk about how important they are, why it's important to look after them? Uh, it's very important for us to look after our sacred sites. Um, as part of our spiritual connection to the land, to preserve it and carry our culture on, into the younger generation. And for the wider community, for, for other people who live in Orange, it's Im, it's important too that the broader community respect that cultural tradition. Yes, it is. Um, some sites have been destroyed from 
like the broader community, but with ours we try and keep them sacred on the mountain and hopefully we could, it'll stay that way for years to come and for the local non-Indigenous and Indigenous communities to learn about them. They should be accountable for, like through schools and that, just learning the process of what we went through as teenagers, kids growing up, and just gaining that knowledge of our local area. There's problems with weeds up on the mountain as well and pigs and other problems up there. Anything you'd like to say about why it'd be good to spend more money on fixing weeds on the mountain? Yes, well, the last couple of days I've been up there, we've just been walking through Cassinia, Blackberry, which isn't just about covered all over the mountain. So wherever the bike trail tracks are going, um, some of them are just covered with Blackberry and it's killing, killing out our native species up there, like the native raspberry, kangaroo grass, um, all the microlina that the kangaroos like to eat and the pigs and wombats like to eat. Um, so it'd be good to get some weed control in up there and pest control in up there as well. Dougie Sutherland from the Orange Aboriginal Lands Council. You're listening to the Orange Podcast and joining us for a wrap of the week at Orange City Council. Acting CEO Ian Greenham. Ian, it's after months and months of planning for uh, for the future city work, it's fantastic to see stuff actually happening in Lord's Place. Oh, it is, Alan. Um, we've had our council works crew replacing the water main along Lord's Place and we now also have local contractor Orcon commencing on site this week. People should get used to going for a stroll and enjoying the beauty of uh, Robertson Park rather than walking up the footpath. It no longer exists. That's right. Yeah, it's actually quite a pleasant walk along the grass there. We're quite a bit down the way at track on um, upgrading of McNamara Street mm-hmm. uh, with footpath works along there, but also the pedestrian lighting. So mm-hmm. that's now lit up. Have you driven past there at night? I have, yes, yeah. These are the new whiteway poles that are all, most of the way along the, on Summer Street now. It looks fantastic in, in McNamara. It does, yeah. It's well lit up and will certainly improve pedestrian safety down that lane. Council's busy with a whole bunch of roadworks at present. That's correct. We've got um, contractors just finishing up on Forest Road. We have another group of contractors working on Wakeford Street. They're doing some foam bitumen stabilisation. Foam bitumen stabilisation. Break that one down for us. That's a system that hasn't been used in Orange before. Um, it, it affects the way that uh, that that bit of dirt underneath the, the surface rather than just making it harder with um, mixing some concrete in. There's actual bitumen mixing with that that, uh, that gravel. Yeah, that's that's right, Alan. Um, foam bitumen stabilisation is often referred to as a poor man's asphalt. Um, doesn't use quite as much bitumen, but it uses an activation process with lime and water to foam that bitumen up and uh, enable it to be incorporated through the pavement, uh, through the existing pavement, and allows... Um, existing marginal pavements to be recycled and reused and um, and to extend their life for some time down the track. What difference does it make to drive on? Um, it should be a very firm surface but also a flexible surface so it's, um, it's less prone to cracking um, and you'll see a number of our stabilised streets 
around town actually do have some some block cracking in them, which is which is a natural process. But uh, with the foam bitumen stabilisation, we shouldn't see anywhere near as much as that. If the bitumen's mixed in, that means it's waterproof. It does, yeah. It generally it generally repels water and and makes that pavement a little bit more waterproof. And um, and there's still a, a full asphalt surface to go on top of that as well. So why don't we do that more often? Is it expensive? Um, while it's while the process is is a little expensive, um, in this case we had a fairly uniform existing material, um, and which promoted itself for for this application. Um, and while the process is is probably a little expensive, what you do save is you don't have truck movements taking um, old material away and then truck movements bringing new material back in. Um, it it does save. In the long run, that way. So we're, we're trialling it in this case. Um, we think it's a it's an ideal section to trial it on, um, and we're we're expecting some really good results out of it. Out of town, out towards Lucknow, some work happening in Phoenix Mine Road. That's correct, Alan. We've um, we've got Council Works crews working out at Phoenix Mine Road. They're coming to a completion this week with um, and looking to um, seal the road tomorrow. So if anyone's out that way, if they can just um, be patient with the sealing process. There could be delays up to 15 minutes along that road um, while while the sealing process is in place, but um, um, it'd certainly be worthwhile once once it's complete. And um, then those crews go out to Ofer Road and um, around the first crossing in the, um, the Banjo-Patterson Way um, intersection and doing some safety works there on the road, some stuff. Council was involved in helping the, the local RSL committee with Anzac Day this year. Were you pleased with the way it all came together? Very pleased, Alan. We got a lot of um, thanks from the RSL committee and and also from from the public. Um, it was a, obviously a day of remembrance, which we um, which we all participate in, and we had for this year a, a dawn and a day service um, ticketed event and. Um, from all reports, everything ran very smoothly. So, we've had recently had um, the Food Week Festival with lots of people coming to town. I think it passes under the radar sometimes. Is this weekend when thousands of touch footballers from all over the country are in Orange? That's correct. Um, we've got the New South Regional Touch Championships being hosted by Waratahs this weekend, um, and usually these championships are held somewhere on the coast, either Coffs Harbour or Wollongong or somewhere of that nature, and and. Um, Teams from the Central West and um, and Orange in particular have to have to always travel. So this year um, it's been a fantastic coup for Orange to pick that up. Um, there'll be a lot of visitors in town for the touch football um, championships, and um, we expect a big turnout. Also on the sporting field, a, a local character who who um, achieved international success as a professional boxer and then gave it up to open a butcher shop. He's the, he's the focus of an exhibition at the museum. That's correct, yeah. Pat Ford um, is a boxing legend and there's an exhibition opening this weekend at the, at the Orange Museum. Um, so get along to um, see a little bit of Orange's history, um, sporting history and um, certainly a... Um, sort of immerse yourself in that folklore. I believe there's some, some historical photos and, and also some film. Um, so it's um, something to really see. So looking forward to that. And at the theatre this weekend, also some more travelling shows that uh, will bring some people to town. 
Exactly. Yeah, uh, Rhonda Birchmore. We're happy to host her here at the Orange Theatre. And if um, if anyone's interested, there are still seats left on the, for the Saturday event. Um, so please um, contact the theatre or Ticketek and um, arrange your um, arrange your seats for for what will be a very good show. Ian Greenham, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Alan. Pleasure. Thanks for joining us for the show this week. Remember, you can download this show from the Orange City Council website or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.